Welcome to the Political R&D Podcast. I'm Robbie Krieger-Smith. And I'm Deirdre Mitchell-McLean. We bring political analysis and commentary on events in Alberta and Canadian politics. We discuss policy and look for expert insights into topics relevant to government, policymakers, and issues that face voters. Hi, Deirdre. Hi, Robbie. All right. So our second segment that we alluded to in our new shortened format last episode, we talked about the lost revenue since Kenny was elected. Yes, this is the if I had two billion dollars episode. Oh, <laughs> that's great. Let's start at the beginning. It was it was last Friday, June 6th. It was a column by Rick Bell which may as well be a column by Jason Kenney, if you read Rick <laughs> Bell's column lately. It was a little a little heavy on the government narrative, so to speak. Let's, let's put it that way. And he was discussing how uh, Jason Kenney had been looking at the finances, and he says that the NDP lied. It's the, the budget, or sorry, the, the revenue is actually at least a billion and a half dollars less than what the NDP had told us. So this is problematic for me because it's throwing the public service, which is supposed to be a partisan, under the bus. And they're actually the ones who compile the budget and the numbers. And what this is, is it's actually more of a fiscal update than it is a condemnation of the reporting or fiscal position of the NDP, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so there's this nasty habit with the Conservatives, which I know we're going to talk about in the federal uh, podcast that we're going to do next week as well, where they seem to like to undermine public institutions that we have when it suits them politically, right? Mm-hmm. And what that is actually doing as well, like, yes... Jason Kenney is putting that on the NDP. But there's a fun fact, because a week before Rick Bell's column, May 30th, was a pretty big day in Alberta. The end of the carbon tax? The end of the carbon tax. Ish. Yeah, ish. (laughs) And with that, when Jason Kenney had that bill signed into law, we lost... 1.78 billion dollars in revenue shocker (laughs) it's interesting because i've been thinking about this and you know fiscal conservatives when i were was growing up when i were growing up (laughs) when i was growing up they did look at things from both sides of the equation and it wasn't always just cut, cut, cut. There was certainly an element to that. And I kind of tie this back to Jason Kenney and the start of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation is there's this kind of labeling of people that you're either a taxpayer or you're everybody else, right? And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they've been very effective, but now 
everything is done with the mindset of we need to reduce the amount of taxes people pay. And it, it all ties into, I guess, the conservative philosophy of small government. But the conservatives, the progressive conservatives, at least, weren't effective at creating small government through effective management. And so now the new conservatives are trying to create small government by starving it to death. Right. And so, so they have to cut. So they have to cut. And, I, you know, none, none of this is about balancing the budget at all. Like... <laughs> If your house budget is short by $1,700, you don't say, well, I'm going to go get laid off so that we can bring less money in. You yeah. say, you know, let's cut expenses or let's find a way to Make bring more, more revenue in. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> there's there's two options there. Yeah. And as Mark Taylor tells me, it was not a conservative decision. It was a populist decision. And that's something that, that he struggles with. It's something that I struggle with to call myself, to affiliate with, to uh, associate with what conservative seems to be today is not what I understand conservative to be. Well, that's, that's not how I was raised either. No, totally. And PC used to stand for progressive conservative. Now it stands for populist conservative. Let's call it what it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, so progressive conservatives are dead, in my view. Um, we now call them liberals. Right, <laughs> and, uh, right. <laughs> so, you know, ultimately what this is about is it's about starving the government's revenues so that they can justify making cuts. Right. And they want to cut the size of government, they want to cut public health care, they want to cut public education, although they've kind of reneged on that this week because they want to provide public dollars to their special interest education. So <laughs> that's the next episode, Robbie. Don't get too far ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> but you look at I mean even Ralph Klein, I moved to Alberta at the time that Ralph Klein was just kind of coming into power ramping things up in terms of getting back to balance and he was aided by very strong natural gas revenues and a, a lot of non-renewable resource revenue coming in but he also understood that if we were going to pay off the debt and if we were going to get to balance that would require tackling things from both sides right and so you know when i moved to alberta we had healthcare premiums. We paid ridiculously large school fees. Um, we paid for transport to and from school. Like in the 90s, I think it was like 180 bucks a year, something like that, which was crazy to us coming from socialist utopia BC, where <laughs> all those things were included. Um, oh, they were all included when I was growing up too, Robbie. Yeah. Okay. Well, so... <laughs> Being fiscally responsible means bringing in enough money to provide the services that you've committed to or that your citizens count on. And Jason Kenney, certainly his history under the Harper government was anything but fiscally responsible. And the initial signs under his government in Alberta are that they are not being fiscally responsible either. What it's about is it's about starving the government 
and reducing the amount of services that are provided. And that's ultimately the goal is to reduce the size of government by putting a boot on its throat and watching it struggle. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And like Ralph Klein, when he came in, the corporate tax, so he was elected in November, I believe, of 1992. And the first budget in 1993, he announced that corporate taxes were going up. And now corporate taxes were a stupid low amount of money in 1992 and 93. Uh, They were 6%. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) So they were pretty low. And Ralph Klein said, we need income. We need to be able to fund this debt repayment. And he jacked up the corporate tax rate. And I say jacked up because that's what it is when you increase the corporate tax rate by a little more than 100%. Yeah, didn't it go to 18 or 17? uh, No, 14.5, actually. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so so he raised taxes on corporations by over 100%. And like I said, that was pretty stupidly low to begin with. But Ralph Klein created buy-in. He created buy-in from the business communities. He created buy-in from the electors. I have to say that what he did was something fantastic because he got Albertans to agree to pay a higher tax in order to pay down the debt. Yeah. And part of it is I just think Ralph Klein's kind of folksy charm, but he was really good at communicating to the every the every guy i'll say Um, to martha and henry martha and henry yeah and severely normal albertans i think was the term he used (laughs) (laughs) yeah right no let's go back to praising what ralph klein did in 1993 (laughs) yeah so you know it it just yeah he he was very good at getting buy-in and he laid out this kind of grand vision for Alberta. And I remember that, like, you know what, we're all going to go through some hard times together, but here's what the payoff is. Right. Uh, The unfortunate part is that the payoff paying while he kept paying and yeah, the payoff wound up being Ralph bucks, which was a, you know, kind of the end of any semblance of fiscal responsibility on the part of the progressive conservative party for sure. Yeah, that was that was definitely the beginning of the end. And at the same time, we were kind of flush. That was 2006 that we got our our Ralph Bucks. I only remember this because my third child was born in 2006 and not before we got Ralph Bucks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I was like one payment short. But uh, but he did this thing that Jason Kenney definitely has not done. And as soon as you say this province is so far in debt that we're going to cut taxes, that's ridiculous. That doesn't make sense under any conservative policy. You, you, don't, you don't strip away the revenue that you have. I mean, you know, Kenny might have because the people that really dislike the carbon tax happen to be Jason Kenny supporters or oh. at least the party supporters, he possibly had an opportunity to get into office and say, you know what, guys, 
what do you think of this? What if we actually kept it for a little bit because we really need this revenue? Mm-hmm. And I will use the carbon tax to 100% pay down the debt. The one thing about Kenny that's smart is, uh, at least politically, he has done his homework and he knows what sells with the electorate. And, and, you know, again, it reinforces that populist message. But so as an example, I'll use the flat tax. He's committed to at some point going back to the 10% across the board flat income tax. Mm -hmm. Uh, But during the campaign, he said, you know, if we're going to get back to balance and we're going to start paying back debt, that doesn't make sense at this point. So we're going to hold off on that and we're going to leave the progressive tax in place. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not that he's completely obtuse. <laughs> I say com- hesitantly. <laughs> yeah, but he's done his homework and he knows what the people want. And so the challenge in today's social media world is just that people have just enough information to think they have an informed opinion yeah. and uh, yeah. plenty of soapboxes with which to spew it. So, yes. That's, I think, an argument that we're going to continue to have. It amused me to a point that the carbon tax hadn't been gone for a week when Rick Bell's article came out, when Jason Kenney started going, oh, hey, guys, the NDP, you know, put us down an extra billion and a half dollars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and maybe, I mean, what he's up against, though, too, is people like us who follow this we follow this stuff closely and as soon I think I I think I posted as soon as I read it so I actually read it on Saturday and normally I don't put out posts on Saturdays but I could not resist putting out that post because I was like really (laughs) Like, (laughs) like this isn't even um old news yet it's only been a week (laughs) so it I don't know it uh I mean good spin though yeah sort of Uh, again with government processes not everyone realizes how that works so not everyone understood right away that that Kenny was actually throwing uh you know public sector workers and this department under the bus yeah, well, the thing is, is that the average voter who isn't that engaged is going to take it at face value. But I mean, for those of us who are in the know, like, let's give up any illusion that post media is, as a corporation is anything but uh, UCP or conservative propagandist organization, right? Like, there's still some fantastic reporters, um, particularly in the Edmonton Journal offices, Um, (laughs) less so in Calgary Herald. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just basically, yeah, straight from the horse's mouth onto the pages of Post Media. So yeah. And, you know, I, I had this conversation on social media as well. And my response actually and sometimes you have those quick ones where you're like uh, afterwards and you're like, yeah, actually, I do think that that does make sense. But what what I had said afterwards was or about the columnists or about the the newspaper itself is that I actually grade them or judge them on their columnists. 
because yeah. the columnists have a lot more freedom to be creative and and to take those those harder line opinions. So if you look at the columnists that are coming out of the paper, you get a really good idea of where that editorial board or you know where where those leanings are just based solely on their columnists. When you look at the Edmonton Journal, the columnists are definitely more progressive or left-leaning for sure. Um, and I think that that kind of applied with their ex-columnists, Graham Thompson and Paula oh. Simons. You certainly see that with Keith Jarin and uh, with Elise Stolte, who are the new uh, columnists um, that report Elise mostly focuses on the city of Edmonton, uh, Keith on provincial politics, but you definitely see that continu- continuity of a left-leaning slant, at least within the, again, within the office in Edmonton. But in Calgary, it's always been very right-wing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As we started to talk about cuts in revenue, that's a good kind of segue <laughs> into our legislative segment, which is going to come up and What's your title for this one? The title for this one is As the Legislature Spins Us Right Round. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll be back in a couple of days with As the Legislature Spins Us Right Round. Thank you.